Hey everyone and welcome to Screams After Midnight. I am Peter, that is Timmy, and we talk about horror movies on this show. And it, of course it is the Christmas season, which is why in this episode we are going to talk about Black Christmas, uh, which was directed by Bob Clark, came from 1974. Basically a Canadian production, most of the actors uh, outside of a few are Canadian I believe. And you can really? hear you can hear it in some of the accents actually. I was noticing it in this this viewing. There was a mm. just just it t- tended to be the end of the sentence kind of thing. Like you know, it's like one of them said, "I'm taking the, the girl out." You know, as if he's dating her, and just the out had yeah. this like Canadian tang to it. Uh, I guess I didn't notice it, but um, be something interesting to look for when I rewatch it. It's funny you didn't notice it because I feel like I really noticed the difference between Canadian and American accents. And you being American, you think you would spot the difference a bit more? I feel like I, well, I don't know. I feel like if it, if you're not really, you know, looking out for it, yeah. it can be easy to miss. Like unless it's like you know, super, super pronounced. But yeah, it'll be something to to look forward to again when I watch it. Because this is kind of a perennial, like this is a must-watch, you know, around this time of year for horror fans. Oh yeah, it's uh. Must watch in general. This is a fantastic yeah. horror film, and uh, not to spoil my thoughts on it too too far ahead. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so we're talking about Black Christmas, and we'll start spoiler free as we always do, in case you have not seen it and are just here to find out if it's worth watching. Although I guess I was just saying it's a must watch. Basically, covers that. Mm-hmm. We will talk a bit more about it and tell you what it is before we uh, go into spoilers. Though you will be warned. But uh, that is the uh, is the plan here in this uh, last episode before Christmas. And we do have a New Year's treat planned for mm-hmm. next week's episode, so you can come back for that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Black Christmas is uh, one of my favourite horror movies, actually. it's uh, I found mm-hmm. myself for the first time towards the end of high school, so probably just about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Something in that range. And I loved it. You said, hey, maybe I'll give this horror thing a shot. Yeah, I, well... I don't think I started with this one, admittedly. But, uh, yeah, that that was basically that was basically just my attitude towards movies in general in high school. There was like a age where I hit like fourteen, fifteen, where I was like, I want to watch all these movies that are like supposed to be good, and I, you know, I I seeked out mm-hmm. all the classics I hadn't seen yet, which was a lot at the time. Now, yeah. And now I always thought uh, I only saw this. Um... Probably kind of recently, like maybe maybe like three or four years ago. Um, but uh, I think uh, actually no, it's probably earlier than that because I must have seen it around the time the remake came out. But oh, well, uh, that, in that case, Timmy, it's been ten years because the, the remake's yeah, ten years it, old now. <laughs> I guess I don't know anything like within the last ten years feels recent. But um, I think I had always thought that this was supposed to be like kind of cheesy, just because like, and, and I feel like. Anything with a Christmas theme automatically in my head seems like a little cheesy, you know? But uh, it, it's really not. It's a very serious, you know, horror movie. Well, I'll counteract that. You're right, it's not cheesy. It's not It's not like Silent Night, Deadly Night, where it's like so bad it's good kind of thing. It's not like that at all. I will argue that it's not super serious, though, because I think it actually does a really good job of having a sense of humour. I think in the first half of the movie okay. especially, there's actually quite a bit of comedy. Mm-hmm. I suppose, yeah, with um, Mrs. What's Mac, her face, yeah, yeah, and uh, Mr. Harrison, like their interactions are pretty funny. Um, Margaret Kidder's character uh, has quite a few jokes early on. But That's I'd... true. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll uh, 
yeah, I'll, I'll recant my statement. Not super serious, but not like, you know, not like that super cheesy over yeah, the top. Like, you know, it doesn't deflate the horror. The horror aspect, the you know, the killer in the house kind of thing. Like that's still super creepy. And every time it goes yeah. back to that, it's still creepy. It doesn't, you know, deflate what it is. And it's just it's a really good movie. So the, yeah, the premise of this. It's set at a sorority house over Christmas, uh, just in the build-up to it. So a lot of the girls have left and went home, and the girls have been getting these obscene phone calls, uh, like really obscene, like grunts and moans and swearing and uh, sexual sort of implications and all that kind of thing. And they're they're pretty creepy too. I, I find it I find it disturbing because it kind of feels like realistic. Like uh, you know, I feel like a lot of times in movies they'll kind of go like oh, over the top, and you know, a guy would just be like, you know, super creep or, or something but this like it has like a really weird deranged quality to it where they're, they're like sometimes they're kind of nonsensical sometimes you understand what he's saying but it's just like totally weird it, <laughs> random stuff or it basically just sounds mentally ill like so that's what yeah. kind of makes it feel real is it feels like someone who's actually just kind of <laughs> you know like that uh, Tim's sick by the way and he's getting over a cough just in case yeah. you're wondering why he's uh, apologize <laughs> why he's like coughing and going for his drink a, bit, yeah. a little bit more often <laughs> Um, but no, so it, but we also at the start of the movie, this isn't a spoiler, we see it right at the start. He goes into the house, he's hiding in the attic of the sorority house. So he's the calls are coming from inside the house, as the old uh, trope goes. Although, this is probably one of the first to do that. I, I was uh, curious, uh, if this was the first because the, the, the big movie where that comes from is When a Stranger Calls, but that was, uh... yeah, that was five years later. Okay, oh, so, interesting. So yeah, this is before that certainly. I mean, well, that's the first. I mean, someone will bring out some obscure movie, no doubt that yeah. done it beforehand. But and also, um, I mean, I, I was gonna ask you about this later, but maybe it's a good time to bring it up now. But is this considered, or do you consider it to be uh, the first slasher movie? Because this is like before Halloween as well. Yeah, uh, four years before Halloween. It's the same year as Texas Chainsaw. Okay, to put that in perspective. Honestly, it's I, I kind of do, and I I kind of don't. It's like you can kind of see it's this weird transitional movie where it's got some of the psycho things where it's like set in a modern day sort of world with a, in a modern setting. It's a sorority house. It's not you know a castle in Europe, you know, in the eighteenth century or whatever it is. Mm. But and it's got some of those slasher things like the, the stuff that is very Halloween is like the POV shots from the killer is very you know opening of Halloween that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it doesn't quite have the body count or the... You know, some of the kills happen off-screen. I'm not get me wrong, some slasher movies are guilty of that as well, but slasher movies have such a high body count that you still feel that you get, like, half a dozen, at least, you know, on-screen kind of bloody kills, or the, the, the killer will have more of a, a character, which is actually one of the things I love about this movie, is that the killer... We, we know he calls himself Billy, but you never really get to... He doesn't have a mask, which is one of the really, mm-hmm. like... I guess more realistic things is he's not like it does feel like a, just a mentally ill person who is very good at killing don't get me wrong he's, he's good at like sneaking around and whatnot but he's not wearing a mask he's not like a, a you know a, a weapon that's his trademark kind of thing he doesn't feel like this larger than life mm-hmm. character he feels like just a normal person that's went crazy yeah. it's not like um this like monster force of nature kind of yeah. thing that you'd see with like Myers or Voorhees or something it is uh yeah it does feel like in a sense like yeah more realistic which which I like I, I, I don't dislike the other type of it I mean I love Halloween right yeah 
but uh, this is obviously a very different uh, blend of it. One of the things I love about it, which is, it's funny that it ended up being the same year as Texas Chainsaw, because I think this kind of shares that with this, is there's a griminess to it, like especially the killer mm-hmm. stuff. Um, you know, all the POV, and part of it's because it looks so crummy. Like, you know, the, it's an old, you know, it's low budget, film stock's not great. I think it's like 16mm. It certainly looks, doesn't look, mm-hmm. you know, like a good film stock anyway. And it, it, it gives yeah. it this weird kind of almost snuff film <laughs> like vibe yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. Like, when you watch it, you know you're watching a movie from the 70s. Like, there's just yeah, that yeah. that look to it. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no mistake in it. It's, and obviously, saying that Christmas gives it a gives it a tone. Not only just of that at Christmas, but also the fact that because it's Christmas and a lot of the the sisters from the sorority are you know going home for the holidays, it means it's a bit quieter than normal. You know, it's cold outside, so whenever they have to wait outside because it's dangerous to go in or whatever, like it just it, it gives all this little texture to all the different mm-hmm. things. Um, it also makes it feel more invasive that you know someone would do this at this time of year. Oh yeah, you know, and it's all it's all the misfits that don't have parents to go and spend <laughs> the holidays with that are staying home or staying at the sorority. They get mm. attacked. So, plus you get John Saxon as the detective, who's yeah, investigating things. One of the great regular faces of horror movies from the seventies and eighties. Definitely. So yeah, I was uh, excited to see him. <laughs> yeah. Nah. So. It's uh, really, really good. I, I really like it. It's definitely a bit slower paced. I think people who are used to... Even mm-hmm. the 80s slasher movies might think it's uh, paced a bit slower, but... It, if um if I had one complaint, it would be that, like... You know, I, I really like the beginning and the ending, and then um, I like the middle, but it's not as compelling to me as, as the other stuff. It, it does certainly take its time in the middle to set up things. It yeah. sets up possibilities in it. You know, I think as soon as they bug the phones to try and trick, like, once the police get involved, it picks up from there. I think, and maybe before that, whilst they're going around trying to like convince people to uh, look into it, it's a little bit more. Because obviously, one girl dies early on. There's a girl that dies, and her father comes looking for her, and that sort of sets up the hunt for her. And then it crosses paths with the obscene phone calls later on, and uh, that's how it kind of progresses. Now. <laughs> If I have one complaint, it's that the main character, Jess, her voice, particularly <laughs> when she's answering the phone calls, is really annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't really have too much of a, a problem with it. Hello? Is it? Hello? <laughs> Hello? Every single time, it sounded, it sounded like she was scared. Every single time. Even at the start, when she's just answering the phone and it's like, you know, or someone's parent or the police or whatever. I almost thought she kind of had an accent. Like, she kind of sounded, like, British. Oh, she did sound me, British, almost. yeah. She sounded yeah. more British to me than anything else. All right. So like, now, you get, now you get me thinking, like, oh, well, maybe, maybe maybe she wasn't British. Maybe she was just scared. <laughs> uh, and to make matters worse, her boyfriend was called Peter, which is obviously my name. So I, it was like, Peter! Peter! Yeah. Like, I hope you get killed. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> That's a minor complaint, though. Minor, minor, now, minor um, complaint. Let me ask you, um, wait, are we in spoiler territory yet, or are yes, we doing that? S- screw it, that's going to spoilers, yeah. I think I think we've okay. sold it well enough. Yeah, it's a great film, classic, best Christmas-based horror movie that's you know mm-hmm. taken seriously, and yeah, fantastic. Make so, sure you watch it. Uh, but full spoilers from this point on. 
So how do you feel about like the uh, ambiguity, <laughs> ambiguity uh, of the killer, like at the end? Ah, uh, well, it depends what you mean, because like I, w- I wouldn't say it's ambiguous. I would say it's mm-hmm. it's 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 a unknown. F- it's fact that it's someone who we don't know. Okay, if that yeah. makes sense, you know, like I don't think it's Im- I don't think it's ambiguous that oh maybe it was Peter. Like I think it's. It's definitely that just this random guy named person. Billy, yeah. you know, who's at least calling himself Billy, which I like. Yeah. I like that it's just a random guy who, like, enters. It's almost scarier if if it's not someone who knows them with a motive, you know. Yeah, no, I feel like this is something they were better at, um, like, uh, you know, in movies of the past, like you know, in seventies, maybe even eighties or so, where uh, they show restraint with not uh, giving you too much. Like, you know, if it was. If this was like a modern movie, you know, it would have started with a flashback of like the killer growing up and, you know, being in an orphanage home. But I, I kind of like, you know, uh, the, these every now and again getting a movie where it's just like, oh, we don't know, like, what the hell's going on. Yeah, it's scary. It just is. Like, the idea that it could be a random person. Um, and then, like, a lot of times, like, you know, with these psycho killers in real life, that's probably, you know, where uh, there's a good chance that that kind of stuff can happen. Uh, yeah, yeah but, I, I think you typically, if only one per, if it's not a serial killer, if it's like one person gets killed, it's someone they know and there's a motive. If it's like a serial killer, it tends to be no, it's just it's a random person who's on the hunt kind of thing. Yeah, like yeah, with serial or spree killers, it's usually um, yeah, uh, the little harder to track down. But yeah, like with a single murder, uh, usually a spouse, I think, is the most common. Yeah, that's um, the most common. Or a family uh, member. Yeah. Um, although I do want to meet the uh, serial killer who kills like fifty people, but he had a grudge with every single one of them. <laughs> yeah, at that point you gotta start to wonder if it's you. That's it's <laughs> yeah. not me. I'm Maybe not crazy. Some... It's the other fifty people. They're all crazy. <laughs> I'm just cleansing, cleansing the world of all these horrible people. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I I quite enjoyed the. Uh, I like the first kill. Um, you know, uh, suffocating the woman with like the plastic. Uh, over her and what i yeah. love is i we keep cutting to her like yeah in she's the up attic. in the attic window yeah just on a rocking chair rocking back and forth yeah it just like gives it this nice sense of like oh this is like yeah this happened like this is still going on like no one's like found this yet like it's i, I don't know it, it just gives it like a weird creepiness that you know like uh it's almost like scarier that you know he didn't try to do something crazy and cut her up or bury her or do something it's like no he's like she's just propped up there as like this weird whatever yeah because no one really starts like thinking there's a killer because for a long time it's just she's missing so let's go and try and find her they go to the all the obvious places they go to the police and we get the funny joke with uh margaret margot kidder um, (laughs) uh, telling the cop that the exchange is fellatio Mm -hmm. um which I think what makes that joke funnier, though, is that not only... Like, it's funny enough when she says it to him, but it's when the older detectives even know what it means and they all start, like, laughing and making fun of him. It makes it extra funny. I, the the part that cracks me up is, like, when he kind of realizes it, he's just like, it's something dirty, isn't it? <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> then, like, the laughter even, like, goes up. Yeah. No. Uh, no uh, speaking that cop's of the... a dick, though. He kind of... <laughs> oh, he was a yeah. dick, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. was a dick. Uh Mrs. Mack, who is another big source of comedy, her and Mr. Harrison. Mr. Harrison, the father, of course, of the girl who dies first, and he's he comes in and we see that Mrs. Mack's got like little bottles of booze like stashed all over the house. There's one in a book. There's one in yeah. and 
which actually uh, that's one of my goals uh, for next year is to uh, carve a pizza shape into a book and just always <laughs> have like <laughs> always have like a stash around me. Do you know what my problem with this was? Oh, not a problem. Like, I thought it was funny. Like, I actually, the first one wasn't funny on its own, but then when she pulls one out of the toilet, and then she has <laughs> one elsewhere, it's like that was that was funny. But also, I was just like, that's so gross. Like, yeah, I, gross. I mean, granted, it's not the the bowl water. I'm sure that water yeah, is a little tank. cleaner, yeah. but but still. But like, my my logic pro- question with this would be, why does she have to hide them? <laughs> is she not allowed like booze in her room like she, she's the one running the house like she's the you know the we, landlady or whatever do we know the exact year this takes place in because it uh, could be during prohibition i'm pretty sure it's just present day 1974 <laughs> <laughs> all right just just put into the possibility out there i, I get no signs <laughs> that this was a a period piece no okay just, just for the record, uh, but then I, I love her attitude though. Like she doesn't care about any of the people, and she's constantly complaining. She's like nice to everyone to their face, but she's constantly complaining about them, um, yeah, like behind their backs. And like Mister Harrison's like really disturbed by all the like the nudity on the the posters and all that, and she's trying to hide it. And yeah, they they have face. a they have like pretty good uh, comedic chemistry those two. because he's so straight faced. Like he's got such a yeah. stern face the entire time. Oh, but nah. And she gets a pretty good death too. Yeah, with the hook, hook, and the, the attic. Yeah, yeah. Actually, do what I like about the the kills as well is I like how kind of visceral they are without being overly bloody. Like when he kills uh, uh Margaret Kidder, he like he just stabs her with this like a unicorn ornament or whatever it is you oh, know, yeah. in her room. Like he just grabs what's close by and uses it. He doesn't, you know. Again, like I said, Ellie doesn't have like a trademark weapon, but he doesn't even. Mm bring a weapon of any kind specifically he just uses what's around to to do the deeds he's a master of improv mm, yeah a master just, of improv, that's one. whatever whatever uh, he has to work with yeah obviously the, the big red herring in the movie is that uh jesse's boyfriend peter's the one responsible because she's mm-hmm. uh she's pregnant and she wants an abortion and th- those conversations are really weird actually when she brings it up because <laughs> pretty heavy (laughs) yeah the way she like she just decides that that's what she's already decided that's what's happening and she's almost angry at him for just not immediately accepting it and what i'm I'm fully of the opinion that it's uh, her choice don't get me wrong it's just weird to bring it up and be like i wasn't even going to tell you this is what's happening um and then he's and he he even more so is a dick the way he reacts and it's all this setup for you know maybe he's the killer even though they've already been getting phone calls for x number of you know because well, that's another thing I like. When they get the phone call at the start, it's it's completely said that no, this has been happening for a while. This isn't the first one. He's the big red herring, and yeah, Jess even kills him at the end when he, he comes round. Obviously, I think the best moment of suspense in the movie, though, is when they realise that the call's coming from inside the house, and yeah. stupid Officer Nash is supposed to tell Jess to just get out of the house, and he lets her know that the killer's inside the house. No, I. This is like such a huge, uh, and again, maybe one of those like early examples of this. But this is such a, you know, scream at, you know, your screen moment 
like you know when you just you want the character to do the opposite (laughs) yeah yeah. no don't don't go in there don't go upstairs don't because she as far as she's aware where her friends uh lois lane and weird al yankovic (laughs) are still alive upstairs Yeah. Tell me she didn't look like Weird Al Yankovic. She did, right? Yeah. No, I'll, I'll agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she, obviously, we know they're dead. We, we know that they're both uh, uh, finito. But uh, she, she grabs a fire poker and she goes upstairs because like, she's like, oh, I need to get my friends. This, Even is, though- this was very frustrating. Like, uh, like obviously, it you know, needs to happen for the movie. But I was, I was like, oh, I just so wanted her just to calmly walk out like nothing yeah. is happening and... Do you know what I especially liked about it though is that the way she yells up, "Please answer me, please respond." Like she knows what them not responding means. Yeah, she still goes up anyway, the stupid bitch. But she, <laughs> she, she, she's you know she's her emotion in that scene got as much as I complained about her voice, her acting wasn't bad uh, when it came time to be distressed. Uh, and also the way Billy's just like behind the door when she goes in the room. Like it, it's not like Halloween where don't worry, again I'm not I'm not dissing Halloween. I love Halloween, but. It's different from that in the sense that it's not like oh, all the bodies are like propped up in a really nice way so that she'll find them all and then he'll come out of the shadows. No, he she literally opens the door, sees the two dead bodies, and he's right behind the door, just waiting. Yeah. And he can't like keep himself quiet. She hears him because he's like making creepy noises and like you know, mm-hmm. I want to stick this there and I want to <laughs> do that there and whatnot. All the creepy things he's been saying. Yeah, and uh, yeah, again, uh, yeah, I hate to keep coming back to it, but uh, again, it just makes it feel more um, like realistic or grounded. Where it's like, yeah, not everything is like, you know, propped up like theatrically, you know, uh, which you know can looks really cool in like other movies when they do it. I'm not complaining about that, but like it, you know, it does give it a more like realistic uh, yeah, uh, effect. It, it feels more sloppy. It feels like it does make mistakes, and it feels less theatrical not so much in the camera work i do think there's some really nice uh oh yeah cinematic yeah. moments in here one of the ones i really like is actually right at the end when uh, mr harrison like faints and like jess is in the bed and they're saying oh the you know ambulance is coming it'll take them you know our parents are coming as well and mm-hmm. the shot like sort of is just sitting like outside the door looking at the room and it's, it's mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure it's like from before when he faints but they take him out and everyone leaves the room and the cop turns off the light and it sits there just looking at Jess for like a good, you know, 10, 20 seconds. And then it starts to pan. And we get this one take of it. It goes all along the hallway and stops at one room. Mm-hmm. Stays there for a little bit. Then pans along again and stops at another room. Stays there for a bit. I think there's a cut they've snuck in there so they could do this in two takes. But mm-hmm. whatever, I'll, I'll, for, I'll forgive them the, the cheating. <laughs> But then it goes again, and that's when it goes up to the uh, the attic door. You know, you can just see the latch closing. And I I love that the ending of the movie is just the sound of the phone ringing again. It's like it's not over. Like you know, he's still there. Like they think yeah. they've got him. They think that Jess killed the the culprit. You know, everyone's ready to believe. But mm-hmm. no, the phone's still ringing as Silent Night plays a uh, plays out of the credits. Yeah. And like even in a, a correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't even think it like it doesn't like fade to black. You just see like the outside of the house with like the credits. Yeah, by, yeah, right? yeah. The credits just plays the phones ring, which uh, I, I like that because again it gives this like sense of just like you know time keeps moving on. It's not just like you know this is the end of the movie. Everything's done now. It's like nope, this is continuing. Yeah, I mean it's kind of similar to the end of the Halloween in a way, like the way that oh he's still out there kind of thing. Like Halloween has that feel to it as well 
Uh, except with this one, we know exactly where he is. He's back in the attic with his uh, first couple of kills, which they've still not found. Because I think Mrs. Max said she was going to her sister's and she won't be there when they get back, which as soon as she said that, all right, you're dead. Because <laughs> that... Which, it, you know, it, it makes it kind of interesting because we have a, like, serial killer slasher movie here where, you know, the killer never really leaves, like, the one spot. Like... Oh. You know, like usually like, you know, like with most movies, you kind of cut to like different locations where, you know, where he might be. But, you know, you keep cutting back to this house, which I, I always really like the, you know, uh, like front shots of the house. It just I know it's kind of like iconic for the movie, just kind of that it's like kind of recognizable, you know, uh, like certain like horror film locations. You just get used to this house and every time they cut there, it, you know, like, oh, the killer's in there. Yeah, I think the house kind of becomes its own character in a way because you you get used to the especially the front entrance and where the phone is because they keep coming back to the phone and how it's right next to the staircase and you you sort of learn the geography of the main part of the house and I think that uh, it adds something to it in the attic as well to an extent you know you know where the latch in the attic is and you know where she's sitting by the window and you get used to the whole thing it's uh no it's. It is very much an, an important part of the film. It's just kind of like how the house in Home Alone, to compare it to another Christmas movie, oh, yeah. you know, you know that house very well. But the end of the movie, like you, you feel like you, you, you know where you're going room to room if you walk through it. And I think yeah. you get that in this one as well. You know where the kitchen is compared to the, where the phone is. You know where the living room is compared to where the phone is. You can um, also a lot of fun stuff with the uh, the the phone guy tapping it and like like whenever he's, she's on the oh, phone yeah. with them. And they're trying to trace it, and he's like running around like this mechanical like, <laughs> phone, which these days is ridiculous. These days, you know, everything's di- digital, and you know, we don't. It doesn't take that long to trace a call, but but that's one of the things. That's one of those things where, like, making this in present day and setting it in present day, it would ruin the. You know, it would ruin that stuff. It's so you can't make Die Hard today because. Half of that plot Cell in the phones. movie is yeah, it's like he's trying to like contact the outside world with the walkie-talkies and whatnot. Whereas today, no, he's got an iPhone in his pocket and he's like, "I'll use the app." <laughs> so yeah. you know, um, there should be a Die Hard app. And what would the Die Hard app do? No idea. <laughs> Shoot a kid. <laughs> what? <laughs> Shoot? Why a kid? Wasn't that the, that was the the cops deal in that movie? Oh right, yeah, the, <laughs> the policeman, yeah, yeah, Al. Yeah. yeah, his backstory was that he accidentally shot a kid, so he wasn't comfortable with his gun anymore. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, Tim. Out of context, that sounded really dark, and I didn't know why you said it. <laughs> I apologize. I'm uh, I'm uh, taking a lot of cold medicine. <laughs> it's my only defense. Yeah. Uh, uh, Another thing I like about the movie is it uses a lot of Christmas music, but it uses like very classical Christmas music, like choirs singing it. You know, in fact, one of the murders takes place. The murder of uh, Rida Yankovic takes place <laughs> when uh, carols are at the door. Oh, oh is yeah. it her or is it Margaret Robbie? What, which one? I can't remember uh, which one it is. What, what, one well, of them gets killed first, upstairs. First of all, not Margot Robbie. <laughs> not Margot Robbie. Mar- Margaret Kidder. <laughs> Margaret Robbie was not born when this movie was made. Neither was I, funnily enough. But uh, Tim might have been. Uh, you're quite old. Yeah, I think I'm older than her, uh, which is weird. But You're not old enough to uh, be born in 74, Tim. You're not that old. Well, you don't know. You haven't seen my passport yet. I'm 
pretty sure you were born these. <laughs> I'm I'm fairly certain of it. Yeah, dude, radical. Um, <laughs> did that give it away? Uh, <laughs> but no, you're. Uh, I think it was yeah when she was uh yeah Margaret Kidder uh, was being killed. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, just just that sort of perversion of Christmas like imagery and stuff was a mm-hmm. kind of a theme. It's also interesting how there's actually characters who don't even ever come out of danger. Like the first girl who dies, her boyfriend's kind of around the whole movie, like helping the police and trying to find her because he's concerned. Yeah. And he never comes into like the, the 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 crosshairs, if you will, of the killer. He's never around when that stuff happens, which maybe makes him another red herring. Like, could it be him, kind of thing? Could it be someone else? We know if you if you're looking for other options, but I kind of like it because it's like in most slasher movies, like everyone at some point. Is possibly a victim. You'll have one survivor. Maybe you'll have more than one survivor, but they'll all have at least had an encounter where they might have died, kind of thing. Whereas yeah. here, there is legitimately characters who never encounter them. You know, mm. I think I think that's special. I think there's a lot of traps that it doesn't fall into because it was before the slasher yeah. sort of era where they had these rules that they always kind of applied to. And the and also like kind of going along with that for a horror movie that takes place in a sorority house, it's pretty reserved like yeah there isn't really any like gratuitous nudity or sex scenes or no i mean the the most gratuitous it gets is the first phone call they get in the start of the movie and it's very obscene what he's saying but yeah there's no clearly the point of this movie was not to be like that it was to be disturbing and be a bit of killer and i think that says something that he didn't go that route definitely it's also a very interesting mix of characters as well you don't i feel Mm. like he didn't just go down the stereotypes for the all the female characters. There's, you know, and it's not like the raunchy one, the nerdy, you know, uh, you know, great obsessed one, or like that kind of stuff. Yeah, unless we're counting like borderline alcoholic as a <laughs> as a stereotype. I don't know if you do. I don't think I would, but she's just doing what any of us would have done in that situation. I don't know. Would would you be drinking blind drunk if you were in a sorority house and people were being murdered? Pete, I've drank so much alcohol during this podcast alone that you have not noticed. <laughs> it's uh, it's how adults cope. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're implying that I'm not an adult yet, <laughs> or what, something else. But we'll we'll, fi- we'll find out next year. Let me, let me ask you this: uh, Do you think that we? <laughs> Do you think we will uh, ever do the remake in the future? Because I'm wondering if we should give any thoughts about it now or if we should save that to a future episode, if you want. You know what? At some point, we're going to run out of good Christmas horror movies to do, so (laughs) we probably will end up doing the remake some year. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, keep, keep keep it in your pants, as it were. Well, I'm sure by that enthusiastic tone, people will not be able to guess how you feel about it. I've not seen it. Oh, you never saw it, huh? Yeah, I've stayed away from it like the plague. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't want to tarnish my my thoughts and feelings of this classic, this yuletide classic of love and murder <laughs> and creepy perverts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ratings, what else? Timmy. What says Christmas more than that? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, uh, very positive about this. Um, 
I have a feeling that might be a slightly lower score than yours. Um, uh, I, again, I really do like it, but I am going to ding it just a little bit on um, some of the middle parts, which uh, dragged a little bit for me. Um, it wasn't like excruciatingly slow like other movies where, you know, you're like itching for something to happen. Like I still was interested, but, um, you know, it spaced out a little bit for me. So I'm going to give it a, a solid eight. Solid eight. My, 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 my. I am going a bit higher than that. I am going with a 9.5. Oh, wow. I love this movie. It's in my top five horror movies of all time. And the score should reflect that. Interesting. Yeah, I, was, I, I thought you might go 9, but 9.5, that's surprising. Well, you can't argue with it, though. Well, it's well deserved. I, uh, no, it's, it's, it's part of the... The lineage, you know, if you're, if you're tracking the formation of the slasher genre, you've got Psycho, mm-hmm. to this in Texas, to Halloween, to, you know, Friday the 13th, I guess, is next. Sure. Although I feel like Friday the 13th is easily the weakest in that line. Like, and I like it, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. it's easily the, the one that's the most trashy and not as, uh, like, in terms of filler making, it's not as uh, deep. It's fast food. It, it gets the job done. You enjoy it, but, yeah, you know. Yeah, fast food, that's a good... That's a good weapon. Uh, this has been Black Christmas on Screams After Midnight, our final episode before Christmas of 2016. There'll be one more mm. this year. Well, actually, not. I tell a lie. There'll be two more videos this year. There'll be Ooh, one review. There'll be one review uh, related to New Year's. If you know horror movies, you could probably guess what it is because I'm pretty sure there's only one New Year's related horror movie in What's existence. It? <laughs> oh. Or at least one main one. I'm sure there's some obscure directed video crap that I've never heard of, but. One main one. And mm. we do have our... Well, actually, no. I tell a lie. We've got three videos left. So naughty. <laughs> They're multiplying. They're multiplying as I speak about them. Mm. Uh, we've got the one review left, and we also have a best, a top ten best horror movies of 2016 mm. video coming next week, as well as a top ten worst horror movies of 2016 coming mm. next week. Those should be nice, cheery videos where me and Tim will form a Screams After Midnight official list for both and I can already feel the fight right now because the boy will be on that worst 10 of the year Dude, no, no. guarantee it <laughs> the trash that it is the filthy trash that that mm. movie is no way I will strike <laughs> before I let that happen there's only one thing in 2016 that's worse than the results of the election and it was a horror movie called The Boy <laughs> No, sir. Double naughty. (laughs) Thanks for watching, guys. Let us know what you (laughs) thought of Black Christmas in the comments below. If you have seen it, like and subscribe and all that stuff. It helps us out a lot if you do. Thank you very much for watching. Merry Christmas, and we'll see you next time.